Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Pelicans. Your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. That's right. It's another edition of Locked On Pelicans. This time coming to you on Thursday. A Pelicans game day, actually, as they travel to Orlando to take on the Magic in their final preseason game tonight. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I also write for BourbonStreetShots.com. Uh, we're going to cover the game for you today, the, their final preseason game, what to watch for. This is kind of an intriguing game to me, actually, because basically if the Pelicans play bad, I don't really have a ton of hope for the season. And I know you can't really base everything off one preseason game, but I, I'll tell you exactly why. I also, before we get to that, I'm going to talk a little bit about the GM survey that came out earlier this week. Where did they think the Pelicans are going to fall in the Western Conference? What did they say about Anthony Davis or any other players? And touch on that. A uh, bit of a spoiler before the next segment here. It's not too good. Uh, I don't think many people are high on the Pelicans nationally. I don't even know if there are a ton of people locally that are very high on the Pelicans right now. Uh, but we'll touch on all of that today in this uh, Thursday edition of Locked on Pelicans. Now, before we talk about the, the GM survey and previewing the final preseason game tonight, I'm going to mention the pretty awesome SeatGeek offer we have for the listeners of Locked On Pelicans. You guys have heard me talk about this before, and there's a reason I'm doing it. And one of the main reasons is the rebate, which I'll touch on in one second. But, I mean, SeatGeek's the best way to get tickets. There's other ways you can go through team websites, other third-party sites. But what SeatGeek does is kind of aggregate them all together. Think of Kayak if you're booking flights and make sure you're finding the best deal possible. What's great that SeatGeek does is they also tell you which tickets are underpriced. They see a really good deal. They give them a grading, you know, A through F, and they're going to tell you which seats are, you know, the best value for the money you're spending. You want to get, you know, your maximized return here, and SeatGeek is going to be the way to do that. I've used it before to go to games. I used it to go to the Saints game against the Panthers this past Sunday. I'm going to be using it for future Saints games. Don't forget the Warriors come to New Orleans in Kevin Durant's first true road game uh, on Friday, the weekend before Halloween. Get into the Smoothie King Center for that game, and SeatGeek's going to be the best way to do it. And if you go download their app, go to settings, put in the promo code LO Pelicans, as in locked on Pelicans, LO Pelicans, they're going to give you a $20 rebate. So it's going to make it a little bit cheaper for you. You're going to be at one's going to be one of the more fun games of the season. You definitely want to be there to see Steph Curry play, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, all of these guys. Don't miss a game. Don't miss out on any of the action. You can use it for Saints games, Pelicans games, concerts, pretty much everything out there uh, you'll be able to go to and get some of the best seats at the best prices. So make sure you download the app, put in the promo code LO Pelicans, and make sure you're there live for every game that you want to be at. So the annual GM survey came out earlier this week, and this is always a, a fun little exercise, I think. I don't know how much weight it exactly holds, but it's, it's intriguing to get a guy's opinion. You know, these are the decision makers in the NBA, and to get their opinions on what's going on around the league, where they think people will fall, and 
just so you know everyone knows for sure it's a gm it's a survey of all the gms in the league they're not allowed to vote for their own team or their own players which when you know only one team outside the warriors is picked to win the western conference you kind of figured that's probably the warriors gm picking the spurs since he's not allowed to pick his own team so you know it gets you an idea of where it's it's just something different you have writers prognosticating things like that but this is slightly different these people know a whole lot more than your average writer even does so it's always interesting to see uh, who they pick to fall and where. So, you know, I want to dive into it. There's one or two intriguing things I, that, that came out of this that, you know, kind of relate to Anthony Davis. But first, you know, they predicted the top uh, nine teams in the Western Conference. And to no surprise, the Pelicans were outside of that. Uh, they weren't in the top nine. You have to figure they're probably towards the bottom of the Western Conference. Uh, so it seems like, you know, the people in charge of NBA teams don't rank the Pelicans very highly. And after, you know, 30 win campaign last year, it's no surprise. So, you know, I think they have a chance to maybe sneak into the playoffs if everything goes well. If Holiday comes back sooner rather than later, he's been working out. His wife, Lauren, had surgery. I believe it was today, actually. Hopefully we'll get an update on that in the next day or two. That'd be a nice thing to uh, hear. So, you know, of the teams they figured, the Mavs are going to finish at 9. They have Houston at 8. Uh, Portland was at 6. Those are the three teams are, that are most intriguing to me that I don't think will make the playoffs necessarily. Portland, I thought, overachieved a little bit last year. I haven't liked some of the moves they made. They didn't really do much this offseason. Um, but I didn't add, like adding one or two guys there. And they kind of just seemed like a team that overachieved that might be kind of in store for that sophomore slump. Think of what happened to the Pelicans. They were the darlings of the NBA after getting swept in the first round by the Warriors two years ago and then regressed very badly. And you got to wonder if the Pelicans, or Pelicans, Portland might be in line to do that a little bit. I think you all know I'm really not high on the Houston Rockets. They were a disaster last year. I don't particularly like the money they spent on Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. That could be a little bit of bias, in my opinion, here, coming from the Pelicans. But they're not great defenders. I think they're overpaid for what they're going to be asked to do there. Uh, you know, Eric Gordon's is just a spot-up three-point shooter at this point. Ryan Anderson, known as a three-point sh- threat and has court gravity, but doesn't necessarily make a ton of threes. If you look at his career, I think in New Orleans, only a third of the games he made three or more threes. If he's hitting two a game for you, that's great. But that's not worth $20 million a year, which is what they're paying him. Both those guys don't play defense. They hired Mike D'Antoni, who doesn't really run a defensive team. So I, I wonder if they just might slip out entirely. You know, they're going to put up 120 a game, but if you're giving up 130, uh, which is what they're likely to do, I don't think that's going to take you very far. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw some kind of infighting with that team by the by the middle towards end of the season. So I think they could slide out and really might you know finish 10th in the West, opening a playoff spot for another team. The other one they figured, like I said, was the Mavericks at nine. You know, that's a team that could make the playoffs. They're starting to get older. I don't know if I like all the pieces they have there. Uh, You know, Dirk's not what he once was, and that's going to hurt them going forward. So I think they're kind of in transition, but they do have Rick Carlisle, one of the better coaches in the NBA, and a guy I would trust to carry the team as far as possible. So I think they'll be okay, even, you know, just having him at the helm. Even with those teams, you know, let's say they fall out of the playoffs, you know, the Pelicans are still in a bit of a transition year. Uh, the big thing here is just show improvement in some areas and then make your move next season. I think right now the West is just a little too crowded, especially towards the bottom. You know, the Nuggets figure to be improved. Sacramento seems to have high hopes for some reason. 
uh, even though they're always a bit of a disaster and you never know what you're going to get from DeMarcus Cousins. But the Pelicans are in a transition year. Just show improvement, compete in every game, make another move or two this offseason in terms of free agent signings when they'll have a little bit more cap space as well, and then make your move to push for the playoffs next year. You'll have, you know, that gives you basically three years of Anthony Davis under contract if you're counting next season, and that could be enough to convince him to re-sign and stay for the long term. And I think that's what the Pelicans are eyeing. So don't be too disappointed you know, with where they're falling in the national media rankings and the GM rankings. This is a transition year for this team. Other things of note from the GM survey both really uh, concern Anthony Davis. The first one is that he wasn't in the top six of MVP voting. He was entirely out of there. Uh, You know, he posted a 24.3 point per game, 10.3 rebounds per game, two blocks per game stat line last year. And basically everyone thought he had a down year and a bad year. Shows the expectations that were placed on him um, after the season before when, you know, he was an MVP candidate. You know, I think the injuries and people starting to really take note of that and him missing the latter part of last season really hurt his kind of, I don't know, maybe credentials among national media, among GMs, around people around the league. Even though, you know, he did have the 59-20 and 20 game last season, he's still a dominant force. He's still very young. I, I'm not on board, and I talked about this, I think it was two weeks ago now, saying that the future is canceled, that he's not going to reach his potential. But not in the top six of MVP voting. I think a lot of that has to do with people thinking the Pelicans aren't going to be very good. There's not much of a history, if you take a look at it, Uh, over the past 10 to 15 seasons of the MVP of the NBA uh, not coming from a top two seed in either conference. You you just have to be on a winning team to get that award. You know, think about two years ago when uh, the Cavaliers lost to the Warriors in the finals. I really thought uh, LeBron James should have been MVP of that series, even in a losing effort, and they didn't give it to him. Uh, So I think, you know, especially in the NBA, you need to be winning if you want to win these awards. And that's why Anthony Davis is not being, you know, a a big considered guy here for the MVP. The bigger surprise was, was the question where if you were starting a brand new team and could sign any one guy, uh, who would you pick? And Anthony Davis was not in the top three this year. That's the bigger surprise to me. He did receive votes, but he wasn't in the top three last year. He won it. He, he was the, the top pick, and he had 86.2% of the vote last season, basically just a unanimous runaway winner here almost. This year, not even in the top three. Uh, he did get some votes for you know potentially having a breakout season. Again, I don't know what more you need to do than post 24-10-2 necessarily, but hey, okay. Uh, he was listed as the best power forward, but not even in the top three after taking home over 86% of the vote the year before in the player you'd start a franchise around. I went Carl Anthony Towns, then Kevin Durant, then LeBron James uh, were the top three. So they're picking two guys significantly older than Anthony Davis and one guy who only has had one season in the league. You know, I I wonder if Davis is going to see this and, and get some motivation. It's well known he really wants to cement his legacy in the NBA. He kind of wants to go down as the best player of all time, and he's going to really try and achieve it. Injuries have derailed it some, and I think that's the main reason for this. But this is a guy that really wants to be thought of as one of the all-time greats, and he should use this as motivation. You've got to hope you know, the coaches and, and his guys around him are using this to their advantage to get him really hyped for this upcoming season. It sounds like he's going to be playing opening night, so that's going to be a good thing for him. 
Last thing of the GM survey was they have Buddy Heel predicted to finish second in uh, Rookie of the Year. Uh, not not necessarily a surprise. He's in line for a decent-sized role here. He's going to get to shoot a lot. That's going to lead to a pretty good stat line, and I think one of the reasons why people look at him as a potential Rookie of the Year player. Uh, the, the bigger takeaway from it, though, was the question right after that is, Who's going to be the best player five years from now from this rookie class? And he is not in the top four of that. So, you know, I think they're they're seeing his ceiling isn't as high as some of the other guys in this draft. Though all of the guys who were picked in that top four were drafted ahead of Buddy Heald. So a lot of it has to correlate with draft position. But I think they see his ceiling is not quite as high. He's not going to be a dynamic playmaker, a dynamic shooting guard. He's going to be a very good shooter, but he's still a bit one-dimensional at this point. And they've gotten, I think they wonder about his defense, about his playmaking ability. And if he never achieves any of that, then yeah, he's not going to be as good as someone like Chris Dunn, someone like you know uh, the other guys drafted. Luckily, Jamal Murray wasn't picked ahead of him. I think that would have made some Pelicans fans rather upset. Uh, so that's really the results of the GM survey. Nothing necessarily surprising. I think really the one shocking thing here is that Anthony Davis wasn't picked, you know, to be one of the guys you would build a team around anymore. And like I said, just use that as if you're AD, use that as motivation, use that to fuel you and drive you this season and play as well as you can. If he can get back into the MVP conversation, he might be able to carry this team a little bit and finish higher than, you know, falling outside of the top nine in the Western conference. So moving on from that to actual on-court things, the Pelicans have their final preseason game tonight against the Orlando Magic. It's in Orlando. Uh, the Magic are not a good team. They are 1-5. in five. You know, they've had a big roster shakeup this past offseason, making that trade that sent Victor Oladipo to uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, bringing in Serge Ibaka, and kind of retooling their team a little bit. Uh, like I said, 1-5 in five record, not very good. They're not a, a particularly good scoring team. I'm not really sure if that's going to change come the regular season. For the preseason, they have a 95.2 offensive rating. Basically under 100 is not going to be good. Uh, Pelicans should be able to outscore them. Pelicans should be able to win this game. Uh, the Magic are not great at passing. Alfred Payton, you know, guy from New Orleans, Louisiana guy here, drafted. I think he was drafted 10 overall. I forget exactly where he went now. Um, has looked good for them at times, but he, he turns the ball over a lot. And so if you're the Pelicans, you need to take advantage of that. Basically, what I'm looking for tonight is, you know, the Magic actually have a pretty good front court. In Bismack Biombo, their big free agent signing this offseason after he played incredibly well for Toronto at the end of last season and in the playoffs, and along with Serge Ibaka. Those are their two best players, in my opinion, right now. Uh, the guys that, you know, the, the Pelicans need to worry about. And this is going to be a good test for the Pelicans front court. Anthony Davis shouldn't be playing. Uh, so you've got Terrence Jones, Omer Ashik, Alexia Jinsa, Czech Diallo, Robert Sacre if he plays. But, you know, it, basically it's those first three guys, Jones, Jinsa, Ashik. Jinsa and Ashik combined played incredibly, incredibly poorly the other night. And, you know, in, in Atlanta, where they were kind of manhandled and, uh, by Dwight Howard and just had nothing here. Here's two more bigs in that mold of Dwight Howard, guys who want to kind of play closer to the basket and Biombo. And then you've also got, you know, uh, Ibaka, who can play further away, but they're kind of bruising physical guys. And you've got to wonder if the Pelicans' bigs are going to be able to handle it. We need to see something out of Ajinsa and Ashik. Right now, Ajinsa basically doesn't look like he's playable for the Pelicans. I'll be honest. That's how down I am on him to start the year. He, he talked a big game at Media Day saying he would be the starter we'd see. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Right now, you're looking at Ashik, who's playing better, but at times is still fouling too much. 
uh, is unable to score and turns the ball over. I think it was uh, against the Hawks. They combined for 30 minutes, combined for seven fouls and four turnovers. That's a pretty bad line. So you need to see something out of them, at least on the defensive end, to show that, hey, they're not going to get wrecked on that side of the ball. And right now they haven't. Uh, I, I was saying on Twitter, maybe the Pelicans need to look at Terrence Jones starting just because it gives you a viable big. I don't know if they're going to go that route to start the year, but if he can defend well against one of these two guys tonight, I think it gives you a little bit of optimism. You'd like a larger sample size. We know he wasn't very good to end his tenure in Houston. Uh, you know, his shot selection on offense leaves a, a lot to be desired, frankly, but at least he can space the court, and that's something. But basically right now, I'm going to be looking at a Jinsa and Oshik. And if these two guys can, you know, maybe play a little bit better, control the front court some, I'll, I'll feel more optimistic. But if they get absolutely wrecked, which I think is the more likely scenario, it's a big worry to start the year. The Nuggets have two, you know, so they have some big guys down low. That's going to be a problem for the Pelicans to handle. A lot of teams have those type of guys. And if you've got nothing that can defend it, the Pelicans really need to look into adding someone like that. And all of a sudden, now we're exploring trade options for a position we thought we had kind of locked down. Not ideal to start the year. Uh, if you're the Pelicans' backcourt, just don't get burned, please. This is a team they should be able to handle, at least on the defensive side. This team turns it over, so force those turnovers if you're the Pelicans. You know, get in transition and play your game. Uh, Peyton, don't let him burn you. Uh, it's It's one of those things where... They should win this game. They should play well. And if we don't see it, you've got to wonder if this defense really is clicking like what the you know Pelicans have wanted. This has been the focus this past offseason. Solomon Hill was brought in that. Each one more can defend. Some Langston Galloway can defend multiple positions. It's that versatile word you've heard this entire offseason. And right now, Pelicans haven't shown it. Now they can show it against a team they should beat. And if you're not beating teams, you should beat even in preseason. And in doing the things right that you should be doing, that's going to be a worry come the regular season. So we'll talk about tomorrow, you know, what we saw from that. So that's all for Locked On Pelicans today. Thanks for listening. We'll recap uh, the game tomorrow in the Friday edition. Uh, we'll, we'll go over a couple other things as well. Probably talk a little bit more about the front court, where this minutes rotation is going to go. How are they going to handle this? Uh, you know, right now, I think after the GM survey and everything, I'm a little bit down on this team, but they can show me something tonight and hopefully they'll do it. So thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to Locked On NBA. Get a national perspective of what's going on around the league. Listen to Locked On Saints. Find out what's going on with that team. Are they going to kind of build off their win against the Panthers this past Sunday? I've been listening and enjoying to that one a lot. We're all part of the Locked On Podcast Network where we come to you five days a week, bringing you every single thing we can. Uh, you know, you're not getting this type of coverage anywhere else. You know, tweet me questions. It's at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll answer them on the show here. Uh, don't forget to like it, subscribe to it, whether that's on iTunes, Audio Boom, I think Stitcher is one of the podcast apps. Wh whatever you use to get a subscribe, get these daily. It's, uh, it'll be a great thing for you. Uh, share it with your friends. So thank you all for listening. I'm Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, and we'll be back with you tomorrow.